You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 213 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on April 29th. How you doing this week, Raj? Far too excited about 2.13, it sounded like. There was some glee there. 2.13! I'm <laughs> like, 2.13 is a big deal. Just trying to have a good intro, Roger. All right, okay. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring you down. We shouldn't be is... excited about those odd numbers. <laughs> Screw even numbers. <laughs> and it is time for our favorite time of the year, complaining about Eisner nominees. I didn't even see the list. Let me guess, so it's in the show notes. Yes. Of course it is. And it's been there for the last 45 minutes. Okay. So yeah, you have well, no excuse. There, yeah. All right. Well, surprise me. <laughs> All right. We're not going to go run down absolutely everything, but uh, some of the more important categories. We have Best Single Issue or One Shot, uh, nominated Astro City number 16, uh, Beasts of Burden, Hunters and Gatherers, Madman, In Your Face 3D Special, Marvel 75th Anniversary Celebration and Multiversity Pax Americana 1. Uh, I read the Marvel one. It was all right. Uh, we've made our thoughts known on Multiversity. Uh, have not read any of the others, though. I'm still looking for the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and really, there wasn't a lot there that sounded yeah. familiar. And definitely the multiversity. I read some of that and I hated it. So if it's getting nominated, again, it's all subjective and we keep saying that all the time. Right. So it's not surprising. Then, you know, there's bound to be a lot of people who, who well, like I, them. I so. know Astro City has been frequently fantastic. We're really going to have to cover it on an upcoming episode. Madman, uh, it's kind of iconic, but not really appealing to either of us. And uh, I'm not familiar with Beasts of Burden. Right. All right, best continuing series. We have Astro City by Kurt Busiek and Brent Anderson. Bandette by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover. Hawkeye by Fraction and Aja. Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. And The Walking Dead by Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adler, and Stefano Guidano. Aside from Walking Dead, I can't complain about any of those, except for the fact, how many issues did Hawkeye have come out last year? Yeah, Four. I was just going to say... <laughs> I'm not so sure that it's fair to put Hawkeye in there. The um, The Walking Dead, uh, it's been so long now. I mean, you read one issue a while back, but have you really read much else since then either? No, but keeping in mind that the Eisner nominees are for comics that were released in 2014. So uh, I think we got a good sample size of what they had to present there. Really? I don't think so. Because we stopped right around 100. I kept reading some after that, but even I clocked out after a while. So I'm thinking there's probably a bunch in there. My only point being that, at least for me, I'm at a point now where I'm kind of, it would be hypocritical of me to be slamming <laughs> The Walking Dead seeing as I haven't read for so long. It might have gotten substantially better. And by better, just guess. back to what it used to be. Let me know how you, how you like it. Yeah, I guess I am your canary <laughs> after all. 
For best limited series, we have Daredevil Road Warrior by Mark Mark Wade and Peter Krause. Little Nemo Return to Slumberland by Eric Shanower and Gabriel Rodriguez. Multiversity by Grant Morrison, etc. Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. And Sandman Overture by Neil Gaiman and J.H. Williams III. Uh, probably going to be between Private Eye and Sandman on yeah, that category, I would say. So, yeah. Again, yeah. I can't believe Multiversity is being nominated there. Wow. I, especially because, like I said, the Eisner Awards are for stuff that came out last year, if I'm not mistaken. And Multiversity had maybe two of its six issues out last year. I don't even care about that. <laughs> Aside, well, listen, there are a number of people out there who really enjoy it. That's what I mean. If you're super into obscure lore and background stuff from the DC universe, multiversity is 100% your jam. Even then, even then, I just, I found so much of the ones that I read. It's not just that it was confusing. It's just, I did not feel it was good Mm -hmm. or, you know, a cohesive event. It was just all over the goddamn place. Mm Mm-hmm. For best new series, we have The Fade Out by Edward Baker and Sean Phillips, Lumberjanes by Shannon Waters, Grace Ellis, Noelle Stevenson, and Brooke A. Allen, Ms. Marvel by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona, Rocket Raccoon <laughs> by Scotty Young, and The Wicked and the Divine by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Ms. Marvel deserves to win, but I want Rocket to win. <laughs> I, I honestly can't call that category because Lumberjanes has uh, gotten great word of mouth. I've really been liking Wicked and Divine, and you can never count out Brubaker and Phillips. Yeah. Uh, skipping a few categories here. Jump down to uh, Best Writer. We have Jason Aaron for Original Sin, Thor, Men of Wrath, and Southern Bastards. Kelly Sue DeConnick for Captain Marvel and Pretty Deadly. Grant Morrison for Multiversity and Annihilator. Brian K. Vaughn for Saga and The Private Eye. G. Willow Wilson for Ms. Marvel. And Juin Len Yang for Avatar The Last Airbender and The Shadow Hero. Again, Brian K. Vaughn kind of has to be the favorite, but I would love to see Kelly Sue win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Although I like some of the other ones there too. I'm trying to find it mm-hmm. on the. Um, there it is. The uh, again, the freaking multiversity crap. Jesus, <laughs> get that crap out of there. Um, I I would like to actually see uh, G Willow Wilson win. I I won't disagree there either. I as much as I we love. Kelly Sue's work, especially the stuff that was in Captain Marvel, was just really good. And the writing in Pretty Deadly is, well, I glowed about it for how many episodes of this podcast. So, yeah. But for what it's accomplished in so Mm -hmm. short a time period, I think that Miss Marvel deserves, she deserves to win. She's obviously doing a phenomenal job writing it. I will not argue what I'll. All right, best writer slash artist. Sergio Aragones has a nomination <laughs> for Sergio Aragones Funnies and Gru versus Conan. Charles Burns for Sugar Skull. Stephen Collins for The Giant Beard That Was Evil. I don't know what that is, but, <laughs> but I need I to read, read that. <laughs> Richard McGuire for Here. Stan Sakai for Usagi Yojimbo. And Reina Telejemeyer for Sisters. Stan Sakai. Uh, absolutely. Like, he, it's kind of his year to win best penciler slash inker adrian alfona for ms marvel mike allred for silver surfer and madman frank quietly for multiversity francois chuiten for the leaning girl how did i do on that not too bad okay fiona staples for saga and babs tar for batgirl 
toss up, honestly. Yeah, no kidding. I I would say uh, I don't actually I don't know. I'm and and once again, pencilers who don't do their own inks got screwed on nominations this year. So people like Emma Rios and Jerome Pena and any number of fabulous artists don't get a chance to be nominated. At what point are they going to spartan up about that? I I don't get it. I got nothing either. Yeah. Uh, best painter slash multimedia artist, uh, Lori and Jaco Ahonen for Jaybird, Colleen Coover for Bandette, Mike Del Mundo for Electra, Juanjo Guardino for Black Sad, and J.H. Williams III for Sandman. I, we love Del Mundo, so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where we're going there. Best cover artist, we have Darwin Cook for uh, his variant covers that he did for DC, Mike Del Mundo for Electra, X-Men Legacy, A plus X, and the list goes on. He's done a lot this year. Jamie McKelvey and Matthew Wilson for The Wicked and the Divine, Ms. Marvel, uh, Phil Notto for Black Widow, and Alex Ross for Astro City, Batman, Batman 66. Del Mundo got robbed last year, so he better win this year. <laughs> Plain and simple. Period. Yes. <laughs> For Best Coloring, we have Laura Allred for Silver Surfer and Madman, Nelson Daniel for Little Nemo, Judge Dredd and Wild Blue Yonder, Laverne Kinzierski for The Graveyard, Matthew Petz for The Leg, Dave Stewart for A Whole Bunch of Things, and Matthew Wilson for Adventures of Superman, The Wicked and the Divine, and Daredevil and Thor. Man, I gotta pick up this Little Nemo. (laughs) Being nominated for several things. Where the hell is Jordi Belair? Mm-hmm. I mean, Pretty Deadly, uh, Moon Knight. She did a ton of great work last year. I don't know who I picked from this. Yeah. Uh, best lettering, Joe Carmignana for Ms. Marvel and Daredevil. Todd Klein for about a half dozen different things. Max, that's his only name, Max, for Vapor. Jack Morelli for Afterlife with Archie uh, and other assorted Archie titles. And Stan Sakai for Yusagi Yojimbo. I would go with Stan myself, but I haven't really analyzed the other ones enough to... Right. But uh, aside from the usual shenanigans, uh, there's some very deserving nominees this year. So we'll see who wins once... uh, San Diego Comic-Con rolls around in a few months. Yeah, I am curious now that I've kind of gone through the list as you were rattling off some there too. I'm curious what they're going to do. Of course, you know, when's the last one that we really agreed with the majority of their choices? Uh, It's probably been been forever. (laughs) I'd have to go back and listen. I do know we always have some choice words to say when, <laughs> not just when the nominations are announced, but the winners as well. All right, then. Well, that's that. Moving into our regular discussion for this week, I figured this would be a good week to swing back around a thrill bent because we haven't talked about those guys in a while. They had a new series launch a couple months ago called Stiletto, written and drawn by, I don't know if it's Paul or Paye, but P A L L E. Schmidt, how did you feel about this series? I loved it. I, okay. I, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Not without its flaws, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I really liked just how gripping it was. The One of the things that I wasn't crazy about was the reliance on far too many cliches. Absolutely. This, time, this type of story. And it was... 
more than the norm even, I would say, for this type of detective drama kind of thing, suspense. It just was one after another. So you essentially knew damn near everything that was going to be happening. That said, I still enjoyed it. There was some kind of, again, not just falling on tropes we've seen time and time again. Yeah, the characters were very stereotypical Yeah, yeah. Well, not, even not just them, the spouse that has had it with him and, and the, the kids and all of those. There were a couple of scenes with the kid that I liked. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, so it, it kind of fell on, on so many cliches. That said, though, I still, I don't know, maybe it was the way that it was written or the pacing or whatever. It still kept me turning the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story uh, revolves mostly around this detective Maynard who is investigating a bullet-style homicide where a couple of cops protecting a witness, uh, somebody gets into the hotel room and guns them down. So, I mean, right from the start, you've got my interest because bullet. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it, 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 it treads on a lot of uh, typical cliches from this type of story. But like you said, it's it's very well-crafted. It's very well-paced. It you keep turning the page. I, I'm actually really glad we didn't start reading this until it was finished because I don't know if I could have waited for the new issues to come out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the, the pacing uh, is really good and the – I really dug the art a lot. The only downside was the art was quite obviously not made for tablets to be read on tablets. It can be, but it's just much more the style of a regular – comic book page so it kind of loses a, a, an opportunity there to be something else to, to again fit that form factor and use some of the parallax of, and stuff like that but the art still was so well done as well and the, the the coloring the shading everything that it really had a huge impact in me wanting to continue reading as well yeah, it it wasn't black and white, but it wasn't full color either. It definitely did a great job of setting the mood throughout. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. This is the thus far the only one I've seen on Thrillbent that's a traditional comic layout. It doesn't use, like you said, it doesn't use their typical format. I I can't think of any others either. Mm-hmm. But still, it's it's cool to see that you don't have to follow the, the house format. If you want your stuff published on Thrillbent, they'll make it happen. Yeah. So we get to the end of the first issue and come to find out, spoilers, <laughs> that Maynard is the, uh, the guy that's been selling out the cops to, to the mob. And I mean, as far as endings to first issues go, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, you, you, you saw it coming. But the way in which it, yeah. were, it it delivers and the fact that Maynard wasn't um, the typical kind of really stoic cop, I don't care, just shooting everybody willy-nilly or whatever kind of thing that you see in some of these types of stories. Here he was freaking out and he was like losing it. You can see how he's he's not all there. <laughs> like some of the scenes you just get this blank expression on his, his face. And yeah, you know, he's running through everything that's going wrong, but he, he doesn't represent what we typically see of the cop who's getting cornered kind of thing. And I really liked how he was written as a character. Yeah. And as he continues down that maddening spiral of 
the amount of crap he's gotten himself in and only making it worse with each page. Like at, at a point, I thought it was almost getting comical, but I also wanted to see how far they were going to keep going with it. I didn't see it as comical. It was certainly harder to believe. Yes, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see it reaching that comical. Oh, you've jumped the shark, but that's also because like I said, it falls on so many tropes and cliches that we've seen how many times that it didn't reach a plateau where I was like, okay, well now forget it. I don't, I'm not going to buy anything. Although when he walks towards the car and he's covered in blood after (laughs) beating the one guy to death with the bat and like the cop that he's with is really not making a big deal about it. I'm going, okay, that one there. (laughs) I don't know if that's how it was drawn and that's why, but he's covered in blood. Somebody would say something. Mm -hmm. But I, I also really like the way they tied everything together at the end that as out of control as he got throughout the story, they still made it believable that he got away with it. The only thing that I found, again, well, the only other thing I should say that I found that made it less believable was this goddamn foosball machine. (laughs) That suddenly everything grinds to a halt in a major city police department so that they can have a tournament, a foosball tournament. That's where I was like, that was probably not the best choice there as the distraction that you want to use at the station that's allowing him to get away with so much. It it didn't fit. It was, it made me chuckle a couple of times just because it's like, oh my God, you're sticking with this. <laughs> this is what's going on. All right. But that was the only thing that I wasn't crazy about. But yeah, altogether, really enjoyed it. It's only three issues. Uh, each one clocks in at around 40-ish pages. So it's a quick read and highly recommended. Yeah. I love the analogy when he passes out with the sharks circling him mm-hmm. and coming face to face. And then later on when he's driving at night and the headlights are turned into that, that's what he sees. Like it, it was a nice, I, it was really good imagery and it was nice how he wrapped it back and brought it back to you later on as well. I, I really dug that a lot. Yeah. Some really cool stuff going on yeah. there. Hope to see more from him in the future. And the second one I wanted to talk about is The Eighth Seal, written by James Tinney IV, art by Jeremy Rock and Michael Spicer. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I now realized you've already read this, haven't you? Yeah, I read uh, some of it, but not all of it. There'd been some okay. other stuff, so I kind of went back and I got caught up. As I was doing the, the prep for the episode, it occurred to me, I was like, this actually sounds really familiar now. I think I can't recall might if, have already read it. I can't remember how much I talked about it, though, when I'd read it. So who knows, Mm -hmm. but uh, enough's happened since then anyway. This is an interesting political (laughs) slash supernatural thriller involving the first lady of the United States apparently having visions and mental breakdowns, but uh, come to realize that it's more of a Rosemary's baby type scenario, which was twisted and I kind of loved it. It was more twisted. (laughs) Anybody who reads this and says, it's a little twisted. You, your moral curve there is a little too <laughs> steep. It was much more than just a little. I think you know me well enough by this point. <laughs> yeah. For everybody else, I mean. Well, what, one thing I really liked about this is the artwork used 
great effect out of the thrill bent style panel transitions where this is probably the only comic I've ever read in my life that has jump scares and yes. they work. Yeah. Just changing an image from one panel to the next and then flashing back again. Like there are points where I actually had to go back. <laughs> like I thought like, was I imagining that or was it the actual art? Like very, very well executed and yeah, uh, Jeremy Rock's kind of a disturbing guy to come up with some of these images. The only thing I didn't like about the art was how stiff the characters are. Mm-hmm. So you have the fantastic scene transitions like you're talking about where she breaks into some demon being kind of thing or or even just a look in her eyes sometimes or something like that. Those are great but then you have them either walking or standing and talking to each other and everybody is like stiff back completely straight that everything there there's no fluidity to to the motion i found that very very annoying as i was as i was reading i didn't find it so much annoying but yeah it was it was definitely noticeable and I did notice, actually, I wasn't crazy about the lettering in this. I don't know how you felt about it, but it was far too clumped together and I wasn't crazy about the font. So it made it a little bit not as easy to read, I found. Mm-hmm. That's kind of something I've seen a lot with the, these thoroughbred things. It's because of the the way the pages are laid out. Like Sometimes the lettering does get a bit wonky as far as uh, balloon placement and yeah. flow. But uh, yeah, for this one, it's uh, eight chapters long, and that's the end of the first arc, as it's been called. Kind of hard to put a page length on it because of the the panel transitions, but it takes, what, five minutes to go through a single issue, I'd say? Yeah, it doesn't take very long. And it's been being released sporadically over the past couple years. Uh, It just wrapped up that first arc last summer. So again, really hoping we get to see more from this. Yeah, yeah. This was, it's fun to read because... Um, it's it's not afraid to take you to the places that you hope it's going to go. So you're sitting down reading this, and case in point, when you're seeing her doing the interview, the the first lady doing the mm-hmm. interview, and we know from having seen these kinds of things, you know, it's very proper. Only certain topics you talk about, and it's it's even far removed from a normal interview in that it's just it's very very, you know. There's a, there's only certain things they can bring up. There's only whatever it's, and she has to be careful what she says. And she, she addresses that earlier as well with different things based on, you know, how she's feeling and how she comes across in the media. But in the back of your head, you're thinking, just snap, (laughs) just, I want to see her snap, (laughs) especially with this, (laughs) this interview, just, I don't know what I want to see, but do something. And you swipe and she's lost it. And I'm going, yes. <laughs> and there's a bunch of those points where the the writer isn't afraid to really take this to a disturbing place and but never at least I didn't f- feel and this is a big one not for the sake of just shocking you yes there's shocking moments but it's not you know putting crap out just for the sake of having you talk about it 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 fits in the story yeah, it's constantly escalating and getting worse and worse, but that makes it better and better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shifting over onto what we're reading. While you were on Thrillbent, did you notice the latest chapter of Motorcycle Samurai is up? Of course, and I read it. And it was great. It was freaking fantastic. 
<laughs> things are kicking off and I, I need the next chapter yesterday. Like I, I need this now. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was even better written than the other ones, which is to say a lot because I just found that it was by virtue of the fact of, of the characters that are in that, in that issue, that the writing was just phenomenal. It was just a, a joy to read like just a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that comic continues to be one of the standouts on the site. Yeah. And uh, shifting gears slightly, something uh, we don't talk about all that often, uh, webcomic. I've brought it up several times. Uh, Gunner Craig Court. I adore this webcomic. It's probably my favorite read on, a, you know, not a daily basis, but three times a week. The latest story arc that uh, Tom Sedell is doing here. Crushing. Like, I had an emotional response to this comic three days a week for the last two months. Okay. He has done such a great job establishing the characters, and he bounces around to a lot of different types of stories. This one is like a serious sort of focus on the characters. This one's more fun. This one's a big action adventure. This one's got some supernatural flair to it. This is just character-focused, complete 90-degree right turn for some of the cast and if it's something that you've been invested with over the last several years like I am it hits hard and that is just fantastic work huh. cool and finally we kind of have to talk about the 800 pound gorilla in the room all new X-Men number 40 oh yeah of course the big issue where Jean Grey and her privacy invasion <laughs> extravaganza that she's been existing on since she came from the past reveals to us that Bobby Drake is gay. This is definitely a not going to judge it until I see where it goes, but I, I'm a little uncertain right now. What do you mean not going to judge it? It happened. It's right there. Judge. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm going to judge. <laughs> I'm just saying this could go okay or this could go very, very bad depending on what Bendis does in the next issue. Because there's a lot of issues that he's got to address here. Let me know when you're done and I'll, t- I'll go for it. Go, go, go ahead. Jump okay. In. I actually had some fairly strong opinions about this. Um, because, of course, it was hyped beforehand. And even though I don't go and follow a lot of the news sites or whatever. It was impossible to miss. I, I Even I saw it. So and the moment I kind of saw just a hint of it, then it was like, okay, stop looking just until I get to read the issue and make up my, my mind myself about it. A um, couple of things. And, and I'm glad that they are bringing in a variety of people into more of the X-Men strips whether we're mm-hmm. talking about the race, the gender, and the sexual orientation, identification of self, all kinds of stuff. I, I want to see more of that. That's cool. And I don't have a problem with changing a character either partway through. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, that's we, we, we have to do that kind of stuff in order to transition from the old white dudes mentality of the past. So that means there's going to have to be some 
kind of shifting that's not always going to be as natural or whatever, but you need to make those changes. So again, I'm cool with that as well. Sometimes it feels way too forced and it'd be nice if they found another way to do it, like introducing more characters that are great that you can care about. Great. And also the, the other thing too, and I, I was reading an article and watching a video and if I'm not mistaken, it was actually uh, a couple of guys from IGN who were doing it. One of who identifies as gay and the other one, I who knows, but they were talking about it. And what they were saying too was, you know, Marvel doesn't understand that we live in a time where you don't have to make a big ordeal, a big show about somebody coming out of the closet. And that's what this was. It was such a big freaking deal. Because so I went out afterwards and I was looking at some of the things people were saying and whatnot. And it's like, it shouldn't be. By making it a big deal, you're making it a big deal that it shouldn't well, be. And that's the whole point of the, the, the story in, thing is it shouldn't be a big deal. In all fairness, Marvel didn't make this a big deal. It didn't become a big deal until somebody actually leaked the pages out before the issue was released. Okay. And then it became a big deal. And Maybe no not them it. advertising it as mm-hmm. a big deal, but making it a big deal in the strip and you got to admit it's made a big deal in the strip. I mean, Fair look enough. at how much attention was given to, um, to uh, what's her face in the ultimate universe. Uh, uh, now black widow. And when she came out, mm-hmm. she came out, it was just a little bit of gab about it on the beach. And then that was it. It was done. There you go. And this was a lot more <laughs> than that. And, and then you had to look at, okay, let's look at, in game, in game, in <laughs> in the the lore, in the story, how it fits. He didn't choose to come out. He yes. was outed. That's big. That's really, that's, really that's big. A big. If if you're deal. going to be trying to pay respect to different people, then don't put an offhanded slap in the face while you're doing it. We've been seeing more of the Gene character pulling shit like this kind of thing, but not to this degree. And even that she would know kind of thing. So when you're, if you immerse yourself in the story and, and say, well, would it happen? Well, yeah, people are outed and sometimes by their best friends. But again, if I keep going back to, if you want what you're trying to do is show respect and show diversity by making it so that the character didn't have the choice, even though she says, Oh, nobody's going to know until you decide whatever bullshit you outed him. You just did it. And that's wrong. So it felt really uncomfortable. I didn't like it because of that, not because of whether or not he should be now from a writing standpoint, looking at it, this whole idea of them, Saying that, well, he's not in actual canon. He's not gay. The older yeah, existing one isn't gay, Bobby. but the other one is. Well, and and like, had they said, well, we don't know. Maybe he's hiding it well or something like that. But no, yeah, she's like, yeah, and her poking into everybody's brain. She's just saying like, yeah, he is. Okay, well, then you're trying to say then that something happened to young Bobby that changed him or something happened to older Bobby that changed him as well. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you are or you're not. Certainly you can hide it if you choose to, but the way that it's presented from the telepath, it's not hidden. She's saying, no, flat out, he's straight. Well, then you're trying to say that this is a nature versus nurture thing and that somebody can suddenly change and become gay. And it's like, that pissed me off because I was like, you fucking idiots. You're trying to do something good here, but you had to go and screw it up because you screwed it up by A, the character doesn't have a choice and gets outed. And then two, you're trying to, you're not trying, you're saying point blank that this is something that can change in a person. They're the exact same DNA, the exact same person, just from different times. It should not matter. So that was like, man, you guys really blew this one. But again, going back to, okay, well, we got a very important character, although he's not the existing, the older one. So at some point, who knows what's going to happen with those kids, if they're going to wind up going back or who the hell knows, but not quite as top tier character as the existing one, but still it's an important character. So I'm all for it for them having more, more variety. So yeah, I thought that was cool, but those are my issues. Yeah, I I definitely have a lot of apprehensions as to how this is going to play out. I don't know, maybe they've got a, a better idea, but as it stands right now, I'm, like I said, in concept, I'm 100% behind it. In execution, not at all. Yeah, it's, see, the problem is going to become as well, and we're probably going to have to stop talking about this at some point here. The problem is going to become <laughs> as well that... Even just after he told her, or they kind of mellowed out about it, and he's making jokes about Angel and, and Scott and all that, and and I'm thinking, oh, God, they're going to change him again and maybe make him more effeminate and that best gay friend for Gene or something like that. And I'm going, again, I don't mind effeminate men, but don't change a character just to make it fit with something like this. And that's what it felt like at one point. I'm going, oh, God, they're, they're, they're really going to do a number on this character. And not to mention you make a big uh, change like this right before Secret Wars happens and potentially rewrites everything we know true. anyway. True, yeah, So like true. this could have just been like them throwing it out there, hey, we did this thing, but uh, longtime fans, don't worry, everything is going to go back to yeah. normal. So yeah, that's I, true too. I, there's, there's a lot of stuff in the future that has me really apprehensive about what Well, doing. at this point, I don't care. It's done. So at mm-hmm. this point, we have the character and he's gay. And go for it. Have fun. I would love to see some really good stories come out of this. That's fine. I just Be- don't like you know, the way that it was could. done. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I look look at Bobby over the years. How many relationships has he been in? A, a bunch. How many have ended well? Yeah. So there there is a story that could be told under the auspices of Bobby always being gay and not whatever they're doing now. So I I hope they don't screw this up. Yeah. I really hope they don't because this this would be a major big noticeable failure for everybody involved. Yeah. They're again, going back to great potential, which they, they blew it, but maybe they'll find a way to work around it. Um, just because of her saying, no, he's definitely straight, but had they not done that kind of thing, the potential Mm -hmm. for stories between the two versions of him. Oh, wow. Like that could have been fantastic 
fantastic stuff. Really freaking good stuff. But it's, it's, she's already said he's not. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, let's let's move on from that. I think yeah. we've said everything we need yeah. to say. Uh, that's all of interest I, I read this week. So what have you got? Oh, you're done already. Okay. Well, I kind of stayed with the thrill bent a little bit longer. I read uh, a series called The Best Thing. Okay. In typical, I've said this before, I hate how the thrill bent app is on the iOS. I don't even know who wrote this. And <laughs> it's such a pain in the ass to navigate the comics and everything um, to get to a page or whatever where there might be the writing of who it is. And it pisses me off to no end because I uh, want to give credit. To website no... written by Sheenan McGuire, art by Erica Henderson, Rob Schwager. I think the art is the same as the, what they're doing with the uh, Squirrel Girl. Yes, that's her. Okay, yeah. So anyways, it's kind of a it's, – it's fairly young. Um but it's it's a basically setting up a new world where there's different types of powers or whatever. There's a couple of characters, and it looks like it's kind of building. So it's a, one of them's kind of like a poison ivy thing with plants growing all over the place, and the other one can control weather and and stuff like that. So it's very 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 slow build up to get it to the point where they essentially have their superhero powers or, or whatever, but uh, it was okay. It wasn't spectacular, but I'm always interested when it's trying a new superhero mm-hmm. universe kind of thing. So I'll keep reading it, but uh, I, I, I hope it gets a little bit better just because it's just, there's not enough going on, especially not right. enough action. Especially, I mean, if you're looking, this is going to be a superhero kind of thing, which it leads that way. Maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe it's just going to be people with powers who plant gardens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would read a garden growing comic. That Why not? would be awesome. Okay. Have you read any of the Convergence stuff? <laughs> no. No? Yeah. So I read more of Convergence itself. <laughs> One of us has to. Um, so... I read more of the Convergence. No, we really don't. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guarantee we don't. This is just, again, it's bouncing around with the different people from the different times and whatever. You're seeing yet more of exactly what's happening in the single issues where it's, okay, well, now you're going to go fight these robot people, which I, okay, I got to say. <laughs> All that said, I would probably read a couple of issues of this robot Justice League Planet <laughs> these cyborgs. There's got to be something going on there that's interesting because you only see them for a few panels and it's like, okay, and that was kind of cool. Um, but other than that, it's it's very much, again, this, this ragtag bunch from different places that are taking on strays and trying to figure out what to do and fighting different versions of themselves. And yeah, there was also the, the, the flash one was actually good. The, um, I hadn't read the flash one last time. It was a speed force. I think it was called or something like that. But, uh, this was the flash. And I like this one because it was much more about Barry and what it's been like, 
for him for a year without his powers and living in Gotham because he'd gone back to Gotham for something. And so he's stuck there. So he kind of is having a nice kind of coffee break with bros and saying how he's just about had it and things like that. Of course, then it has to turn into the big freaking, there's going to be a contest and you're all fighting. And then he gets his powers back and then it turns to stupidity. But up until then, it was, it was kind of interesting again, because we like Barry. So one good one, the new teen Titans convergence. Oh my freaking Lord. (sighs) That good or that bad? Bad. Oh, true. <laughs> no, bad, bad, horrible. Just, just stupid. Did you finish with the uh, reading the Black Vortex stuff? I guess I tapped out. I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, you didn't even finish reading it. No, I gave up. Wow. Ago. Okay. Yeah, it does not get better. I mean, it. Although, quite small sidetrack. I did like Warren's little speech in uh, All New X-Men about why he took the powers. Oh, I love that. But I don't count that as Black Mirror. That's All New no. X-Men. That's I, why it's, it was It's something well done. we forgot to mention about that issue. Yeah. No, I I agree. That was – because initially you're thinking, oh, he's just – wants to be a badass. And it's like, no, he knows he's going to die or mm-hmm. just everything goes to crap. I thought that was awesome. So do you know how the people in Amber – got free then nope okay this is actually not bad i will say for because you know they they painted themselves into a corner and i was thinking oh god this is gonna be horrible but it fits a lot of different reasons why and what it is is that they've got the mirror now and they decide they're gonna let one person have their uh, be boosted up essentially. The problem is, is that once everybody gets boosted up, then they want to stay in space. They go space crazy and they want to take over and takes them a while to get a handle on it and whatever. So, so you know that the entire planet's fro- frozen in amber and you know that the, the, the brood are tunneling in to lay eggs in everybody's heads, right? Yes. Okay. So it's getting down to nitty gritty time and they're getting through kind of thing. So, Kitty decides it's got to be her because she hates space being stuck in that stupid bullet for so long. She really, really hates space. So she knows she's not going to want to keep this power. That's it. So she takes on the power and she turns and the art was amazing for this. She just turns into this massive ethereal spirit thing. That's like, Big enough that she's like holding the planet in her hands kind of deal. Again, the artwork is amazing for these shots. And then she basically phases the planet through the amber (laughs) and moves it so that the amber then is just broken off into, she breaks it off in, in space. But yeah, she phases them all through. So it was like, okay, that was actually... I hated everything leading up to this, <laughs> but that was actually cool. And it fit. It fit for the character. It fit that she would be the one to say, I'll do it and things like that. And then the resolution going forward as well as kind of, again, being retconning it. Well, how are you going to retcon it? Well, of course, the person who's in charge of holding onto this mirror is going to say, all right, y'all get the backseas if you want to get rid of your powers now. 
Some do, some don't. So it was like, oh, well, that's stupid. There's no consequence there. Mm-hmm. But as you saw in the all-new X-Men, some decide to keep it, some decide don't. Right. Not I noticed to. Cyclops was out of that god-awful costume. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, as as resolution goes, some of it was grown-worthy, but some of it was really actually pretty cool. And the resolution for her to be phasing out the planet and just the art and everything about it, that was actually justifiably cool. And for an event that I've despised the entire way, that's saying a lot. So worth buying all 20 issues to get to that one? No, but uh, (laughs) that last issue, you can read that. (laughs) That's about it. Um, Did you read The uh, Amazing Spider-Man 17.1, The Spiral Mm -hmm. Part 2? Yes. I like this one better than the other one. This one was... I'm really digging this little story they're doing. Yeah. I I really we haven't had him just bouncing around and having fun as well as much lately in, in Spider-Man. So it's mm-hmm. it's nice. And of course I I like what's her name? Um the 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 Watanabe. Copy, yeah, Watanabe. I like her. And she's just losing it more and more. Mm-hmm. Again, I really like that character so much. So whenever they bring her back, I'm always I'm always game. And <laughs> I'll be done soon enough. Did you read the latest uh, Star Wars? I I still haven't read the last couple. So really, yeah. I thought you were keeping up with it. Uh, I've been reading Leia and Darth Vader Star Wars itself. I'll probably catch it in my collection. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, again. It's him on on uh, Tatooine with uh, Jabba and and stuff like that. So. Again, not as good as what's going on in the other series. And again, a lot of Luke being just a little punk. And then, But then I just watched <laughs> the movies and it's like, well, that's who he is. Yep. So, but... Uh, Especially at that point in continuity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, but they get rid of him fairly fast. And then the rest of the stuff was actually fairly good. I, again, I enjoyed it. It was good. All right. All right. Last one, because I have to is uh, Wolverines. Wolverines. <laughs> there was nothing I liked about this. <laughs> there was quite literally nothing that I liked about this. Well, the art was okay, but even then the art wasn't spectacular, but it was all right. But uh, but the, uh, the story was just ridiculous. But, I mean, that's where they were going with what was going on. It was just, it was absolutely ludicrous in terms of the, the concept behind it and then toss in blade and that kind of stupidity. And it just beginning to end was, I hated it. Hated it. You know, I like blade, but they always seem to just throw him into random stories. He has no point point in being in and it never works. When they had him in for a little bit there at the beginning of the X-Men stuff when it was going through the vampire stuff mm-hmm. made sense and it was awesome. This? Ugh. Stupid. Hey, and when he showed up in uh, Mighty Avengers a while back, I was like, really? That's where you're going with this? Yeah. Anyway. 
As for this week's select new releases from Marvel, we have all new Captain America number six, Avengers number 44, new Avengers number 33, new Avengers Ultron Forever, continuing the story that uh, started a few weeks back in Avengers Ultron Forever, Nova number 30, Princess Leia number three, Silk number three, and X-Men number 26. From DC, more Convergence. Convergence number four, as well as issue one for Action Comics, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Crime Syndicate, Detective Comics, Infinity Inc., Justice Society of America, Plastic Man and the Freedom Fighters, Shazam, and World's Finest oh Comics. God. In addition, we also have Batman number 40 finishing off Endgame, so at least there's one great DC yeah. comic out this week, as well as Justice League number 40 and Multiversity number two finishing off that whole thing. From Image, great week. We have Bitch Planet number four, Invincible number 119, Skull Kickers number 32, and Wayward number seven. That's a fantastic week. Yes. Uh, also from IDW, we have Gem and the Holograms number two and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 45, where many, many tears will be shed. And finishing out the week from Valiant, we have Quantum and Woody Must Die number four, finishing off that miniseries. So now we're adding Gem just because of Tart? I kind of have to, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want Damn the you, Tart. of not mentioning it. Damn you, Tart. <laughs> also worth mentioning, of course, I'm sure everybody knows, this week is the release of Avengers Age of Ultron. I will be seeing it tomorrow night, so I'll have some thoughts to share about that. As well as this Saturday is free comic book day. So everybody go out to your local shop, get some free comics. And remember, the comics may be free to you, but they're not free to the shop. So there's usually a bunch of great sales going on. Support your local comic shop and have some fun. And that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Uh, if you'd like, you can follow me at Sam Modian. Uh, I'll probably be tweeting out some pictures from Free Comic Book Day. Roger, you uh, actually going to make it out this year? I actually was planning to, but I didn't realize it was a Saturday. And I, my son-in-law is going to be giving me a hand. We're putting a door into the office. So I might not be making it. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. We'll see. Maybe right, I'll just well, reschedule. Sure. We'll do the work on Sunday. Because <laughs> there's some good ones coming out that I really actually I want to get my hands on. That's why I'm really glad I have two local comic shops so I can get five from one shop and five from another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Popcorn running. <laughs> we had a new episode. I've suddenly remembered that you may want to check out our movie podcast, PopcornRonin.com, where we covered a couple of great anime series this week uh, with The Girl Who Leapt Through Time as well as the original Ghost in the Shell. And even over on ForTheLore.com, our gaming podcast, we talked about the new Batman game as well as the upcoming partnership between Telltale and Marvel. So lots of great stuff out there for you guys. Was that so hard? I had a lot of stuff to remember for the end of this episode. (laughs) Start writing it down. <laughs> you think I get by on my exits with just my brains alone? Hell no. Even they don't work. Even the notes aren't <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie 
TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.